you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Good sleep should come naturally. And with the new Natural Hybrid mattress, it can. A collaboration between Lisa and West Elm. The Natural Hybrid is expertly crafted from natural latex, natural wool, and certified safe foams to elevate your sleep sanctuary and support a greener tomorrow. Plus, every purchase helps fuel Lisa's work with shelters and those in need. Don't put off a good night's sleep any longer. Get a Lisa mattress today for a sound sleep tonight. Visit lisa.com slash iHeart. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com slash iHeart. Hey everybody, it's Tuesday, July 25th, 2023. Welcome to the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. We are choosing to accept this mission. It's me, your man, MG Marcus Grant, joined by Michael F. Floria. We are in studio. We got specialists. We got Susie. We got Josh. You got even Hytham. It's like it's a big day. Hytham Kalani sitting in to uh, watch us, I don't know, fumble all over ourselves for the next uh, 45 <laughs> minutes to an hour or so. Uh, also, happy early birthday to you, sir. Oh, thank you. You, uh, what's, it's the uh, it's the Marcus Allen birthday coming up, right? Is that thirty two? Thirty two, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, it gets less significant. I I'm feeling as like I'm like ah, oh, this is the first birthday in a while. Like where I'm like oh, I'm not really all that excited for it. I mean, it's just at that point, yeah. It's like it's a, it's a weird number. No one really celebrates thirty two yeah. at any point. Like you know, you get to thirty five, and then you know the big one is is forty. But it, I now understand what people have always told me. Like you get excited for your birthday when you're younger. This mm-hmm. is the first one where I'm like I don't want. I don't want this to keep I, happening. I, you know, like I'm at a point where like I don't, I don't really run for my birthday. But generally, my, all I want to do is like, you know, have a drink with my friends. Yeah, you know, it can be low key. It doesn't have to be a big deal. That's all I really want. That's it. So, 
Uh, but anyway, happy early birthday. Thank you so friend. much. Uh, we got stuff to talk about because training camps are opening. So we are going to talk about some stories that we are keeping an eye on in training camp. We'll also play a little round of hype train or smoke screen because the hype trains are leaving the station right now. And uh, we're going to decide which ones we might want to get on or which ones we're going to sort of let go by. And... Another round of Florio's Film Festival, going all the way back to 1996, when Tom Cruise first put on the mantle of Ethan Hunt and accepted a Mission Impossible. But uh, let's start with some news, because there have been some big goings on. In fact, uh, some news that happened. Uh, you know, I rolled over this morning. It was about you know, 5.30, 5.45. And I, as I tend to do, I have the terrible habit of reaching for my phone and immediately, immediately looking at social media. Saw a lot of chatter uh, right away that Saquon Barkley had agreed to a deal. I had to rub my eyes and make sure I was reading that right because it just seemed like only a few days ago he was you know, tweeting, it is what it is, and uh, it sounded like he was going to leave camp and wasn't going to be uh, seen anytime soon. Instead, he signs a deal that is, I mean, from the way I read it, Mike, it's essentially what he was offered in the first place. Uh, it's the $10.9 million deal that the Giants had originally put forward via the franchise tag, except this time there are some incentives. He gets a $2 million signing bonus and the potential for another million dollars in incentives, uh, although the things that he has to do to get there seem really, really hard to reach. It's like 1,300 rushing yards and the Giants making the playoffs. Uh, I 65 think it's catches, I 65 believe. 65 catches, 11 total touchdowns. These are things that uh, he's either never done in his career or maybe only done once in his career. Uh, also, the Giants have to make the playoffs, which last year they barely squeaked in. You know, I'm sure we can go on and on about what this means for the running back market. I mean, Josh Jacobs, who isn't coming to training camp, has to be a little bit salty right yeah. now that Saquon broke ranks so easily. That's another conversation. This is a fantasy football podcast. Now that we know that Saquon is going to be there in training camp and ready for week one, are we back to drafting him first round? Were we ever drafting him first round? Um, I I have seen him go more second round than anything. And that this is so I have to every week I do a rankings update and I, I haven't done this weeks yet. So when I do it, Saquon will be one of the biggest movers I would have met. Well, not movers, but players that I consider moving. But right now I have him at RB7. And I could make a case for the other run each of the other six running backs over Saquon. Um my fear is that and it's a lot and look, I don't ever want to say these players aren't trying or anything like that. But I think there's maybe less motivation to play through injury. If you're Saquon Barkley all of a sudden, and that was my stance la the last two years with Lamar Jackson, when they were saying, when people were saying, why is he not out there? Why is he not with his team trying to play through these injuries? And I was like, if you want this guy to risk his future, give him financial safety. Like I, I, to me, I think it's a lot easier to play or try to play through an injury when you know I'm taken care of already. And Saquon is not. So I always joke around and call it pulling an AJ Green. Um, I still have those concerns for Saquon Barkley. I think a lot of them are alleviated, but in the back of my mind, is it is it enough for me to push him ahead of say uh, of Tony Pollard, Nick Chubb, Jonathan Taylor? I'm not sure of that just yet. I definitely wouldn't put him ahead of any of those guys you named, and I do think he's probably going to be an early second round pick, just because we've seen 
the wide receivers sort of dominate the first round in a lot of drafts. And I think that has pushed Saquon out. If he's not one of the top four or five running backs, it's hard to make a case to put him in the first round. So I, th- I think I think he goes back to kind of where he was, where it's is an early second round pick because we have a little more certainty about where he's going to be. Um, but I don't think you're alone. I've seen a lot of that that talk that hey, maybe he doesn't push himself through a soft tissue injury. If he's got a hamstring or something like that that's nagging, maybe he takes a little bit longer with it because also part of this deal is they can franchise tag him again next year. Uh, He has given up the right to hit free agency next season. So there's a very good chance 12 months from now we could be having a similar conversation (laughs) about Saquon Barkley. So I think, though, in terms of fantasy, he he goes back to where he had been. He's going to be an early second-round pick. I expect his usage is going to be the same. The Giants are going to try and wring every last drop of production out of him that they can because he really was the engine that helped that offense go. Like, I know, look, I know Daniel Jones had his best career season, but really it was the threat of Saquon or yep. Saquon's production that sort of made everything else viable there. Uh, you know, th- they're running a team of like 17 slot receivers and Darren Waller. <laughs> uh, so the passing game doesn't really excite you a whole lot. It's going to be about Saquon uh, this year. I think the biggest winner of this, and it's you normally don't say this for a running back, but I think it's Daniel Jones. Like, yeah. not only does he get that safety blanket in the dump offs and, and Saquon could go the distance, but Daniel Jones was such an effective runner last year because on these options, if you're a defender, you're thinking I could either let Daniel Jones potentially go or Saquon Barkley. You're going to Saquon Barkley 10 times out of 10, which creates these running lanes for Daniel Jones. And you're not feeling the same way if it's Matt Breida. No, you're, you're <laughs> no. taking the chances of tackling Daniel Jones not, and letting Breida do his thing. If it's Matt Breida, if it's Gary Brightwell, they just signed James Robinson. Like, none of those guys strike nope. fear in you the same way that Saquon Barkley would. So you're right. This this helps uh, Daniel Jones a ton, uh, especially in terms of his ability to, to run the football when they ask him to do that. Uh, mentioned Josh Jacobs will not report to Raiders training camp because he has not come to a long-term deal. Curious to see now after Saquon has signed if that changes Jacobs' motivation at all. Um, you know, I, I don't know if there's anything left to update about this. We've talked about it a lot the last couple of weeks other he, than he's just not there right now. He is falling in drafts. Fi- like, I've seen him going like, the fourth round, mm-hmm. and that's a – I will roll the dice there. Fourth like, round, yeah. Second round, I'll have pause. But if he falls two rounds, I will I will take that shot all day. Especially because, at least for now, I don't think he's going to be out – look, maybe he doesn't make week one, but I don't think he's going to sit out the whole season. So I think fourth round pick – uh, I probably a, a, I have the him risk is worth it. RB eight right now. Behind him is Derrick Henry. I think I'm going to flip those. Two. Yeah, I'd flip that right. Then at least I, for the moment. Then it's like Ramondre Stevenson, Jameer Gibbs, Brees Hall, Joe Mixon. I don't know if I can push any of those ahead of Josh Jacobs just yet. Not yet. Not yet. But you know, again, if we get to uh, you know a couple weeks into uh, to the preseason and he's yeah. not there, then I, I think we have that conversation again. All right, uh, get get your emotions in check, Florio. Here, uh, Kadarius <laughs> Tony left practice a couple days ago with what was being called a tweak. Uh, he suffered it, I think, during punt returns. I believe it was uh, punter kick returns. He suffered it in practice. 
uh, you know, the as soon as the news came out, there was a lot of, well, here we go again with Kadarius Tony. He even went on on social media and said, uh, you know, not to he said not to worry. He's going to be back soon. Travis Kelsey seemed a little less optimistic about it, saying we hope he's back for the start of the season. Now there's reports that he's going to have knee surgery and week one at least could be in doubt. I personally have always seen Tony as sort of a later round risk reward guy. Like, you know what the upside is. He's for me, you know, one of the better and best ball guys. Mm -hmm. But I'm going to come to you as our (laughs) resident Kadarius Tony Stan and ask how you're feeling right now. Not great. (laughs) But I I like to be an optimistic person. Mm -hmm. And I think that this. Could be a good thing in the sense of you were you were having to use like a seventh round pick to get Kadarius Tony, sometimes even a little bit higher. Now, what is he going to cost? A 13th pick, round pick, something like that? Mm-hmm. Because I've seen people on fantasy Twitter say this guy could be available with the last pick in my draft and I won't take him. And I'm like, <laughs> if that's the attitude, I'm going to have him on every single one of my teams because I still think the upside is as sky high as I did three days ago like obviously the floor and the health is more in question now but if this guy even if he misses the first couple of weeks of the season if he could be a top target for Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid with his skill set I still think the upside is insanely high and now if we're talking about a late round pick if he gets hurt who you're most likely dropping your late round picks anyway for waiver wire guys so to me this just makes him more of a gamble worth taking if he falls to the later rounds. But I know I, some people think I'm crazy. <laughs> I get accused of being Kadarius Tony's burner account. Um, but yeah, I, I just I see a very very talented football player who unfortunately has had a lot of bad injury luck. That I think I think that's that's really all it is. That's all it is. Like no one doubts his talent. It's just can he stay on the field? And so for all of the I don't know if injury truthers is the word, but all the people who immediately look to discount a player because of injuries, it's easy to write him off, right? Mm-hmm. Right now, Kadarius Tony is one of those Rorschach test players, right? Where you're going to see what you want to see. Either you see an incredibly talented player who in the right draft slot gives you a lot of upside, or you see him as that guy who's just not going to be on the field, who's going to give you one or two really big games a year, and after that comes out as, as being kind of a risk. So he really has become the guy that, Whatever you want to see in Kadarius Tony, you will see in him. For me, he's still that guy that, you know, if he's there in the later rounds, I'll take the occasional shot at him. Uh, I would prefer him again in a best ball league where I don't where the injury situation comes into play less, right? If 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 it's if you're taking him in best ball, you don't have to worry week to week about putting him in your lineup, what the injury report says. You just know that when he's there and he gives you those spike weeks, you'll take advantage of it. And when, you know, he doesn't, then you know it's yeah, no big deal. You're not really worried about it. So um, I still can't believe the I wouldn't take him with the last pick. If yeah. these are the last pick, I'd take him with the last I, pick. I, I straight up wrote to the people saying that. I was like, that feels like bad planning on my part. <laughs> that's, uh, that's bad policy right there. <laughs> which Is there any Chiefs receivers now that you will be targeting? No. This is, <laughs> here's the other part yeah. of this. The other part of what has happened here is with you know, Tony getting hurt again, there's been a whole lot of chatter about you know, who's ne- the, the immediate chatter was Sky Moore is moving up in ADP. And then the contrarians are like, Rasheed Rice is the guy that you want. And my thing is like, what if the answer is actually nobody? What if Which the answer very is well could none be. of them? Because this is what we did last year. 
we were trying to figure out who's the guy after Travis Kelsey, right? And Kadarius Tony hadn't gotten there yet. But, you know, was it Juju? Was it MVS? Uh, you know, was it Sky Moore? And I remember Patrick Mahomes came out last year at this time, and he's like, fantasy football folks are going to be upset with us because we're going to spread the ball around. There's going to be a whole lot of guys getting opportunity. And that's exactly what happened. It was Travis Kelsey, and then it was everybody else fighting for scraps. And I don't know that it changes. And the fact that, honestly, we had to take a guy who was – you know, sort of volatile in Kadarius Tony. It took an injury to Kadarius Tony for us to be like, hey man, let's pivot to Sky Moore or Rasheed Rice. If that's what we needed for those guys to become viable, those guys were never viable in the first place. So while everybody's trying to stake their claim to a Chiefs wide receiver, I'm just sitting back here and I'm like, the answer is probably nobody. There's going to be some guys that there will be the Rasheed Rice week, right? And the Rasheed Rice high will start buzzing. Then there'll be a couple of Sky Moore weeks and all the Sky Moore people will be like, I told you that's my dude, right? And, and it's going to be like, yeah, man, three weeks out of 18, you got you got Sky Moore. Three weeks out of 18, you got Rasheed Rice. I just think it's going to be frustrating for everybody. Which is why if I'm taking a shot on anyone, it's the player with the most upside, which I believe is Kadarius Tony, and I will continue to draft him. But if you go for the other three, I think it's Rasheed Rice then like and I agree with you I'm not going to pay a significant price for him but Rasheed Rice is going as like a double digit pick in the later rounds I'm okay doing that Sky Moore had 250 yards like why is there so much hype around a player (laughs) Kadarius Tony almost had more yards as a rookie in one game that he got ejected from than Sky Moore had (laughs) in a 17 game season last year and Richie James is getting hype He's 28 years old, and he has never had 600 yards in a season. I think that Richie James could be like a reliable third down target. I don't expect him to be a contributor every single week. So if I roll the dice with any of them, it'll be Rasheed Rice behind Kadarius Tony for me because I just want upside. I don't want someone who would give me 10 points in a, in a week, you know? You know what's funny is that uh, nobody is saying MVS. Oh no! Like, no, for, for all the guys on this roster, nobody is like MVS is gonna be that dude. Like, not a <laughs> single person. Nobody believes that's that's gotta be a little bit sad. Um, last bit of news: staying in the AFC West, Javante Williams will reportedly avoid the active slash pup list uh, to begin training camp. That was originally reported by James Palmer. Uh, I know for you one of your concerns was just about the recovery and where he was going to be at the start of the season. Uh, This seems to be a positive development for him. Does this change at all how you feel about Javante? This is a positive for sure, but it is one small positive. I need to see more. Like Mm -hmm. I need to see him looking like himself and, and being able to handle Like To me, I think there's a lot of boxes that we won't have checked until the season starts. So my approach with Javante as of now continues to probably be let other people draft him and then be back in on him next year when he's it. But like I don't understand why he is going six rounds or five rounds, whatever it is, later than Brees Hall, who also suffered the injury, not as severe, but around the same amount of time and is currently on the pup list. Yeah. So like I think Brees Hall needs to start falling in drafts as well. Yeah, I do find that there is a big love affair with Brees Hall. And look, I I get it from what we saw of him last year. It looked amazing. I think in general, there's, I think, a love affair with the Jets offense. Although really, when you start to think about it, after Brees Hall and Garrett Wilson and I guess Aaron Rodgers, who are we really drafting in New York? It's just no those one. three, you know? Maybe um, sleeper Tyler Conklin? Uh, I guess. 
<laughs> I, I, I can't really get back on board. And I, I do wonder, you know, when when Hard Knocks airs, if we find another guy who gets like a Hard Knocks bump or something like that. But no, I think you're right. Like, why is it that that Brees Hall isn't really falling where Javante Williams kind of is? I don't. Who do you think will get answer. the Hard Knocks bump? I don't know. Like last year, I don't think we got anybody that that really got a, a hard knocks bump should have been jamal williams after that speech after that should've. speech <laughs> right you would think so but yeah that didn't really happen watch it'll be somebody like uh you know miko hardman right like the miko hardman hive has been looking for a reason to get excited um random maybe. guess here israel abanacom oh that's a great guess actually that, if Brees hall is is not there right away i could see him him that is a bump. great guess he's a rookie running back he had a little bit of buzz during draft season they like to feature rookies uh trying to like you know try to break their way in if Brees hall is not healthy i think i think you're right abanaconda has a, is a prime it's not gonna be alan lazard he's the most it's definitely gonna be alan lazard <laughs> alan lazard will do alan lazard will do a million amazing things on on hard nice i'll be like Mm, talent was he's the same class as MVS. He's MVS, like. right? They're, like, they're pretty much the same guy, just on different teams now. Well, speaking of hard knocks, that gets us to training camp, and it's always interesting this time of year to kind of figure out which stories we should be paying attention to. So uh, Florio and I each picked three stories we are paying attention to. So for you, what's the first one you're watching in training camp? This one touches near and dear to your it heart. Does. Uh, who is going to be starting for the 49ers? And I understand that the expectation is that if Brock Purdy is healthy, he will be the starter. But is he going to be healthy enough to start right away? And if not, or even if he has any limitations, can Sam Darnold work his... like? I, I know I've been the guy saying Trey Lance hasn't got a fair chance. And I think his fantasy ceiling is the highest of these three. But just for fun, I would love to see Sam Darnold go on like a tear with this offense because I think it would prove that like you could slot anyone with the game like Zach Wilson maybe could perform well in this offense here. So I, I, I am. But I think whoever starts for the Niners is going to be fantasy relevant and obviously is going to have a ton of effect on the other weapons. I look, I am still holding on to the fact that I think Brock Purdy is going to be ready. I think he's going to be the starter. I have been amused that it feels like people are trying to draft every other quarterback but Brock Purdy yeah. in fantasy. <laughs> I mean, for a long time, uh, Trey Lance was going ahead of Brock Purdy. I've seen people try to make the case for Sam Darnold. Look, you know how I feel about USC, guys. I can't make the case for Sam Darnold. I just can't. Um, I Would, still believe this is Brock Purdy's job. How, like, As a USC meets 49ers fan, how amazing would it be? Though, oh, I'd be on like... top of the world if that <laughs> happened. If, if Kyle Shanahan somehow you know, dug in and got the best out of Sam Darnold and, and he helped lead uh, you know, the 49ers deep into the playoffs into the Super Bowl, that would be amazing. He'd be back in red and gold again. It'd be like he was playing at the Coliseum on Saturdays. But no, I'm not expecting that. I'm <laughs> Trade just not. the juju while we're at it. Right, like... they get juju back. It'll be like it'll be all you know. Get all the USC guys back. It'll be amazing. Get Ronald Jones. Just he's not doing anything. There you go. It's like whatever. Make it all happen. <laughs> uh, no, that's that's not going to happen. Uh, for me, speaking of quarterbacks, who's going to be the Colts' starting quarterback? Uh, you know, we talked about it. I think a couple weeks ago, Jim Ursay sort of talking about how he wants to see Anthony Richardson get the job, how he expects Gardner Minshew to sort of be ahead of him in training camp, but he would like to see Richardson play. Um, I did see a social media account basically put the idea out that there may not, that we may not see Richardson until week 10 or later, but 
It was it was uns Comical. it was unsourced. It was getting a lot of traction, but it was completely unsourced. Don't know where it came from. That one was hard for me to buy just because there didn't seem to be any other reporting uh, backing that up anywhere coming out of Indianapolis. I still think it's going to be Richardson sooner than later. And, and look, maybe it is Gardner Minshew for the first couple of weeks. We've talked about this before. There's nothing that Richardson can learn from Gardner Minshew. Maybe he starts early, but I think before long it's, it's going to be Richardson. I just, I just want the Colts to let us know. That's all. Yeah, completely. And, and I think Jim Irsay kind of let us know who he wants to yes, be the starter. Absolutely. And I think, look, I'm not saying there's any actual truth behind that week 10 thing. The only thing that makes sense to me is like, they don't have the Colts don't have the toughest schedule to open the season. But to me, that's even more reason to get Gardner, uh, Gardner Minshew out and get Anthony Richardson in because you want your rookie quarterback playing the not so tough defenses and kind of easing his way in. Maybe they give Gardner Minshew the week one start as a veteran. It's a revenge game against the Jaguars. That could be a fun narrative. But come week two against the Texans, CJ Stroud, you know, the rookie. Like, I, I feel like that is the if it's not already week one, like that is a natural point to start Anthony Richardson, who is your franchise. The Colts have shown us before that when they draft a rookie quarterback, they will start them. They will start him. I mean, they, they did it with Peyton Manning. They did it with Andrew Luck. They are not hesitant to put that guy under center right away. Uh, for you, what's the uh, the next one you got there? Just how big of a role do the Lions have for Jameer Gibbs? And this might sound crazy. I have Jameer Gibbs as my RB12 right now, and I'm going to be bumping him. Like, I'm going to be moving him ahead of Brees Hall, who I, I had originally as a RB1 if he was healthy. Um, but I'm souring on him. I think Jameer Gibbs... I, I more explosive Alvin Kamara is in the range of possibilities. Wow. I think he, like he is, and friend of the show Emery Hunt had him as his RB one because he said he is the most explosive running back. I think that he I don't want to put words in his mouth, but I believe he said that he is scouted. So I mean speed and explosiveness for days. A great pass catcher. Um, I just I truly want to know if they are going to have as big a role for him as as myself and many others are projecting. I, yeah, that's that's kind of the question. I did see something yesterday that both he and David Montgomery are catching passes at practice. They're both being involved in the passing game, which not really a surprise. We saw Montgomery do that in Chicago for years, and we know that's a big part of Gibbs's game. But it is going to be a question of how they sort of split the division of labor. Is it going to be similar to what we saw with DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams? Uh, you know, is one going to be more of the you know third down two minute offense guys one going to be between the tackles that's sort of unknown and you know hopefully we get some clarity in training camp or the preseason although we get no clarity of anything in preseason now because none of these guys play enough yep. for us to learn anything and it's the annoying time of year where every like little play or little tidbit gets blown up into like because we're all so thirsty mm -hmm. for content and stuff that it just gets blown up into stuff that doesn't matter. I mean, you know, it's it's it maybe the old uh, Eddie Murphy joke about how you, know, you give a starving man a saltine, he'll just think it's the greatest thing ever. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, it really is. Like, mm, is this a Ritz? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <laughs> like, uh, that was a terrible Eddie Murphy impression. Anyway, it sounded more like Dave Chappelle. It kind of uh, did, actually. You know, whatever. Anyway. <laughs> Don't come for me, please. Uh, for Hilarious. me, the next one. So the way I've been phrasing it all offseason is will Russ cook or is Russ cooked? But to me, I think the bigger question is just what is this Broncos offense going to look like this year with Sean Payton? I mean, Russ is the focal point of it because he was so bad last year. But how 
one, what is Sean Payton going to expect of Russell Wilson? Uh, what does this mean for the likes of you know Jerry Judy, Cortland Sutton, a healthy Tim Patrick? We've talked about Javante Williams. Samaj P. Ryan is there. This, to me, is maybe the one offense, Mike, that I look at, and I have zero idea of what it's going to be. And for that reason, I have mostly shied away from drafting a lot of Broncos just because maybe it's great and maybe I miss out on some things. I just I, – I can't – I can't crack the code on this one. Yeah, it it it's a tough because it could be just as bad as it was last year. Like yeah. if Russell Wilson is done, no offense to like, but I tend to be a little bit more optimistic because Sean Payton did get the most out of a Drew Brees led offense when Brees was clearly losing arm strength and stuff like that. Um, the Broncos are one of these offenses where I don't have anyone ranked like very high i i think jerry judy is the highest i have and he's like wide receiver 23 or 24 for me which is about where he's going and draft like Cortland sutton is not going as a top 40 wide receiver i don't have him ranked as a top 40 wide receiver but he is one of those things where i'm like it's cost so little to get him maybe i should start taking a couple of cheap shots on him but yeah i really outside of greg dolchik because he's a late round tight end i don't really have many broncos yeah i just i just don't know like i Really, it could be great, and I will miss out on it. I just, I just don't know. What is great though for this offense? Um, I mean, I think it's it's Russ. What getting you four thousand passing yards? I think it's, uh, you know, whoever the lead runner. If you know Javante Williams, I think Javante Williams. If he gets you nine hundred rushing yards this yeah. year, I think that's a really good year for him. Yeah. So, but I, I think it's it shows how far we've fallen with Russell Wilson. Yeah. Where a year ago we were like, great, was top five offense in football. Yeah. No, I think we were, I think that's where we were. Uh, also, this team could very well finish last in its division. I mean, they could be better than they were last year and still finish last in the AFC West. I mean, the Chiefs are, are clearly the best team there. The Chargers are going to be very competitive this year. The Raiders, who knows? <laughs> you know, you can flip a coin. It can go either way with the Raiders. The Broncos could be better than last year and still be the fourth team in the AFC mm-hmm. West. Really could be. Uh, speaking of the AFC West, that's that's your next one there, huh? Maybe I jumped the gun earlier when asking you which Chiefs receiver you want. But <laughs> my, my a big thing I think you have to monitor is which Chiefs receiver steps up because if Kadarius Tony is going to miss time, some receiver is going to have to step up. And mm-hmm. I agree with you that it could just be a complete mishmash and, and no one could step up. But it's still an offense that is going to be one of the very best in football with the best quarterback and the best play caller it's not a situation that I'm fully willing to ignore. If we go into week one and it's like, hey, none of these guys really stepped up and we don't know who's going to be the number one, that's different. But, like, I have been seeing a lot of Rasheed Rice highlights and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, again, I, I just said that people over make too much of these little clips that we get and stuff. But if, like, in preseason he's looking really good and the other – and Sky Moore's just looking like, you know, an average receiver or something like that, then I think it is definitely something to take note of. I think it is. But I'm, I'm looking back at last year, right? Travis Kelsey over 1,300 receiving yards, 110 catches. The next on the list was Juju Smith-Schuster, 78 catches, 933 yards. After that, I mean – Marquez Valdez-Scantling, just under 700 yards. Justin Watson, 315. Nicole Hardman, under 300. Sky Moore at 250. It's just, there there was nobody there last year that you felt like was ready to step up and, and grab the reins. Maybe something has happened in the offseason. Maybe Sky Moore does take that step forward. But there are no immediate target earners that I see on that roster. 
And so that's why I just think, you know, they will spread it around again, which in terms of real football is great because that makes them incredibly hard to defend. We don't like that. We want clarity. We want to know where the targets are going. And after Travis Kelsey, I just don't think there's a clear answer there. Uh, my last one here. Who is Jordan Love? I don't mean like <laughs> physically. Like we obviously know who he is. We've seen him. He's an actual tangible person with, you know, presumably feelings you and a soul. want to know what his interests are. Right, exactly. <laughs> you know, um, you know how, how does he do at Wordle every morning? That's what I want to know. <laughs> I just want to know, like, in terms of what he brings to the field, right, what he can be this year. I don't think anyone realistically is expecting him to be Aaron Rodgers, right? Like, that's, that's an unfair expectation to put on him. I also don't think he's a guy that we're drafting a lot in fantasy, but... Can he feed all the other guys that we are drafting? Can he keep Christian Watson viable? Can he make, you know, can he get Romeo Dobbs uh, productive? Can Jaden Reed step in and be a thing? What does he mean for guys like Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon? Because Aaron Rodgers really was able to feed everything and keep this offense running. Can Jordan Love do that? And, you know, I think the thing I've, I've come to believe is Jordan Love doesn't have to be great he just has to not be terrible. And I know that the, the Packers have been very high on him. They've said a lot of really nice things about him. But, you know, I guess I just need to see it with my own eyes. I've drafted Watson a few times. I've drafted Aaron Jones, even A.J. Dillon a couple of times. But I sort of need to see something from Jordan Love before I have any increased confidence in him right now. Yeah, and because of that, as much as I like Christian Watson, the talent, and at the end of last season, I was telling people to trade for him and keep her in dynasty leagues and that he's going to be a top 20 wide receiver with top 10 upside. That was all when I thought Aaron Rodgers would be the quarterback. So with Jordan Love, Christian Watson is still going as close to a top 20 wide receiver in drafts. I've found myself... I'll take the occasional shot on him, but he is not someone that I am like going into drafts. Like I want to come away with Christian Watson. Romeo Dubs... Everyone else could have him. I'm going to take the shots on Jaden Reed. That, that's been the receiver I've been going after. I also haven't really drafted a whole lot of Jordan Love because I feel like even if things were to go right for him, we're probably talking about him being a QB2. Yeah, no, I, I'm I'm not really drafting Jordan Love. I just you know more curious about the pieces around him. I do laugh because remember like the start of last year, those first couple of weeks where like Romeo Dobbs was like a thing. We're like, hey, man, this, guy, this dude might really be something. And then he just faded into as as mike tyson would say he faded into bolivian um <laughs> and we never really heard much from him the rest of the year all right take a quick break we'll come back we'll do some hype trainer smoke screen and then uh, we're gonna rip off the mask talk a little bit of mission impossible that's coming up next on the nfl fantasy football podcast you go into your shower feeling tired but as soon as you reach for the irish spring your day immediately gets better that crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's List is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. 
Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. In just a few taps in the Angie app or clicks on the site, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. Renters, you can use Angie, too, for moving, installations, or cleaning. Angie can even help with extremely specific projects. Just tell them what you need, and Angie will find the right solution for you. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com or download the app today. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up, picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all, but here's a preview of this week's episode. Do you think it's more embarrassing to dye your hair or to have hair plugs? I don't think either are embarrassing if you're not trying to conceal it and act like you didn't. Okay, so you think if you just come out and go, I got hair plugs... Yeah, like check out these hair. Pl- I mean, don't just walk around. Hey, tapping. Hey, hey, stranger. I don't want you thinking this is natural. You know, but I mean, <laughs> do you, you have to do that with everyone you meet? Try to act like they. Uh, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I mean, like, like John Cena got it. You know, when John Cena came back to wrestling, he had a bald spot, and now he doesn't. Mm-hmm. You think he should be required in all interviews to say, "Look, by the way, I covered up my bald spot." Yeah, I guess it's weird. I mean, you don't wear a sign or like put a sign in your yard, but all right. So, what about toupees? Those are the most obvious. I but let's like. say you're like Bill Self and you can get it to where it looks good. His is magical. I don't even know if his is a toupee. It is. Though. I think he went into the future and had a procedure we haven't even discovered yet. And this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainer, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds to Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. A little bit of hype train or smoke screen as training camps open because this is uh, when we start to get all super excited about these sorts of things. So uh, I got a handful of things here and we can kind of kick them around just a little bit. First one. Uh, we talked about Saquon Barkley and him signing a deal and Josh Jacobs and the le- and the rest. But uh, there's some big name free agents still there. So between Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott and Leonard Fournette, more than one of those guys. So at least two, maybe all three will still be free agents when week one comes around. Hype train or smokescreen? Maybe this is just me wishing it to fruition. I'm going to say smokescreen. 
I uh, if you would have said one of them, I would have said hype train because I I find it tough that all three will find a home in the next month. I could see at least one of them holding out for potential injury or something like that. Um, but I I mean, we've seen Fournette already get a workout. I I. Dalvin Cook is still asking for a lot of money, and maybe there's a suspension there. Who knows? But he is still a a player that I would say is coveted by teams around the league right now. I keep saying to draft these guys, especially Zeke and Fournette, because they're going like rounds 13, 14, 15. And I'm like, if they sign anywhere, their ADP is going to go up. But there's no clear-cut spot, I would say. Maybe the Raiders, if Josh Jacobs does hold out, or more so, I think it might take a camp injury to see these guys sign. I think... I'm going to say smokescreen on this, too. I think a couple of these guys... There there may be one that sort of hangs around out there, um, but I just can't imagine that all three of these guys are going to be free agents in week one. I mean, I know there's still plenty of chatter that Zeke might end up back in Dallas, which I know people who drafted Tony Pollard are praying does not happen. Um, you know, I, Dalvin Cook is too good to still be out there. You mentioned Leonard Fournette getting workouts. He's probably going to be the least expensive of the three, which probably yeah. gives him an advantage in terms of getting signed. But I can't imagine, uh, like I said, I think at worst, one of these guys is going to be a free agent. Uh, next one. The Bears... And if people bring this up, and every time it comes up, I it, it shocks me again as though I heard it for the first time. <laughs> the Bears in their history have never had a 4,000-yard passer. Uh, Justin Fields is going to be the first this year. I, as much as I wish I could say hype train, I'm going to say smokescreen. I'm not saying he can't do it. I'm not willing to bet on it, though, because in the history of the NFL, do you think Justin Fields will... He ran for over 1,000 yards last year. Mm-hmm. Do you think he will run for at least 700 this season? I do, yeah. In the history of the NFL, there's been two quarterbacks to rush for 700 yards and throw for over 4,000 yards. Cam Newton, his rookie year, and Josh Allen, the last two. No offense to Justin Fields. I don't think he's on that level yet as a passer. Cam Newton never threw for 4,000 yards again in his career after that year. Uh, So, and, And also, Justin Fields, of these quarterbacks that I pulled up with at least 700 rushing yards has the second fewest passing yards ever in a season amongst this group. So he would have to go from 20, he would have to basically double his yeah. passing yard production <laughs> right. last year to get there. I think he can be in the 3,000s, maybe even like 3,500, but 4,000 is, I think you're asking for a lot when you're also expecting him to run as much as he does. 100%. No, I think this is a smokescreen too. I know he's you know been hyping himself up and good for him, right? Like if you don't believe in yourself, who will? Um, but to go from 2,200 yards last year to 4,000 yards, that is a super leap. And even you know, we talk about the leap that Jalen Hurts made last year as a passer and, and how that that improved his fantasy standing so much. Uh, Jalen Hurts only had 3,700 yards, right? He went and even then that's 3,700 coming from 31, right? His rookie year, he was not a full time starter. He got over a thousand passing yards. Second year, he became the full-time starter, got you 3,100 yards. Last year, he took a step forward, went to 3,700. That is more of, I think, the natural progression you expect out of quarterbacks. Uh, Justin Fields going from 2,200 to 4,000. You know, that's incredibly, incredibly aspirational. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe not so aspirational. Brandon Cooks will yet again be a 1,000-yard receiver. Hype train or smokescreen? Hype train. And I, I look... He's done it since take out his rookie year. Every year but tw- two, he has gone for over a thousand yards. 
each of those two times, the team traded him. So it's a rough life where it's like if you don't get us a thousand yards, you are you are <laughs> right? living somewhere that's, else next year. That's really year. hard, man. <laughs> but I, I think I mean even last year in a down year where he was injured and we were getting cryptic tweets and we were routinely joking like he doesn't even want to be here playing for the Houston <laughs> Texans. He still put up seven hundred. So uh, with the better offense, better quarterback, much better quarterback uh, than what he had last year, I think Brandon Cooks will get over a thousand. He's been a top 24 wide receiver every year of his career, but two. And he's going outside the top 40 right now. Yeah. It doesn't make sense to me. Don't get it. Like he's so whereas I think people have sort of clued into Tyler Lockett and that ADP is going up. I think people are still slow on Brandon Cooks right now. And I'm trying to take advantage of it because I think this is easy that he goes back to being a thousand yard receiver. You put him opposite CD Lamb. And now that's another thing people have to pay attention to. Um, I. I I would be shocked if he does not get back to a thousand yards this year. I think this this feels really, really easy. Uh, this is why I, I went back a little bit because we talked about this uh, several months ago. But Calvin Ridley wrote in the Players Tribune, like kind of about his his story, kind of an open letter to football. And one of the things that that all the fantasy folks took away, like aside from just the incredible struggle that he's gone through in his life, but the thing the fantasy folks took away is, I'm going to give the Jaguars 1,400 yards every single year. So. Hype trainer smokescreen. Calvin Ridley will go for 1,400 receiving yards this year. 1,400 is such a big number. Yeah. But let's have fun. I'm going to say hype train. Okay. I, I am all in on Calvin Ridley this year. I think that Doug Peterson's number one targets have always got a lot of volume, and he's never had anywhere close to as talented and as explosive receiver as Calvin Ridley. He could win downfield. He could win in the red zone, so he's going to get you yards and points in chunks. I think that... Trevor Lawrence looked better and better as last year, what I would call his true rookie year, went on in Doug Peterson's system. Now even more comfortable in that system. It's a pass-first offense. I, I, I'm very excited for the Jaguars. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be an MVP candidate this year, and I think it leads to Calvin Ridley having a monster season. Okay, so you being like all hyped about it makes me feel slightly better about being a wet blanket. Like I want it to happen, <laughs> but I'm going to have to realistically just say smokescreen just because – it is a big number, and there's a lot of people that they got to get involved in that offense. I mean, just realistically. Like, I'd love to see it happen. Would love to. But Christian Kirk is coming off a really good year. Evan Ingram's coming off a really good year. Zay Jones is still there. Um, you know, there's still so many people that Trevor Lawrence has to spread the football around to um, that it would be great. It just seems like asking a lot. So... Uh, yeah, I'm gonna be the I'm gonna be Debbie Downer on this one and say smokescreen. But look, if I am wrong, I will be thrilled to be wrong <laughs> if he does because I've drafted him in a few spots. And if I'm super wrong about that, I will be absolutely over the moon uh, that I was wrong and he got 1,400 yards. Last one, I put this one in here. I think for my own personal benefit, <laughs> Sam Laporta is gonna be a top 15 fantasy tight end. And for the record, I when I first wrote this, I said top 20, and that felt a little too easy because like top 20 could be literally anybody so I, I bumped it up top 15 fantasy finish for sam laporta at tight end i have him just outside the top 15 but i'll go with hype train because there's always this unknown upside with rookies and he's been the one of the big winners in camp if he was playing a different position maybe not so much but at <laughs> tight end it doesn't take a high bar to be top 15 so i, I i'm I'll give him the benefit of the doubt and say he cracks it. I'm I'm going all in. I'm saying hype train for sure. I've been 
he might be my most drafted player on underdog this year. Uh, and then, you know, it's all late round stuff, right? Yeah. Like you don't have to pay a high draft price to get Sam Laporta. And trust me, uh, this is where, uh, you know, I think we all fall victim to confirmation bias, right? Where you pick, you pick out the little news tidbits that make you happy <laughs> and seeing, you know, the reports out of Detroit that Sam Laporta is immediately establishing himself as the tight end one and getting opportunities and getting looks uh, that, that that gave me a warm feeling in my belly because I've been drafting a lot of Sam Laporta. But I do think I think there's an opportunity there when you look at what the Lions passing game has been. And more important, you just look at the tight end depth chart in Detroit. There aren't a lot of guys there that scare you in terms of taking opportunities from Laporta. Now, obviously, we know with tight ends. Some of it is, uh, you know, your blocking ability and all the other assignments that are asked of you as a tight end. Um, but. But the arrow is pointing up for Sam Laporta, so I'm I'm all in. I'm I've, I've bought several tickets. I think I bought out a whole car on the Sam Laporta hype train uh, for this season. I love it. I'm excited. <laughs> you just got to beat out Shane Zilstra and Brock Wright. Okay, sure. I'm I on, believe, I'm on board. I believe in you, Sam. <laughs> I believe in you, Sam. Uh, so there you go. There's our our hype train and smoke screen. Time now to turn to another edition of Florio's Film Festival. Uh, this is movie what number fourteen, I believe, yes. for us. So I feel like I feel like next week we should, you know, fifteen seems like a good number. We can we'll do. I'll figure out what the I haven't even figured out what the season finale is. I should do that while we're talking right now. I'll think about that as we go through this. But in the meantime, movie number fourteen, Mission Impossible: The Synopsis: An American agent, under false suspicion of disloyalty, must discover and expose the real spy without the help. Of his organization, uh, released June seventh, nineteen ninety six, with a budget of seventy five million, grossed three hundred and thirty five million dollars worldwide. So, Florio, uh, your immediate thoughts on the original Mission Impossible? I liked it. I did come in today, and I told you that I I need to give it a second viewing. Yesterday was one of those days where just like a bunch of stuff kept coming up. Mm -hmm. So I didn't watch it till late at night. I was already kind of tired and then I was doing stuff for this podcast. So it didn't have my full undivided attention and I want to rewatch it. And in time when I, I can give it that, but just as you know, watching it the way I did, I did enjoy this movie. Um, I understand why, uh, 27 years later, we are <laughs> still, still making, making sequels. Um, <laughs> I, I see why I will say though, this is one of those movies I think I would have appreciated way more if I saw it in 1996 for the first time or mm -hmm. close to then rather than 2023 because the storyline, again, I wasn't paying super close attention, got a little confusing to me. And I was I basically was like, oh, this is a movie where wherever he goes, someone's going to try to kill him. <laughs> basically, so it's, yes. it's, it's an act, you know, it's literally a movie that's like driven by the action and it was really fun, but it, it fails in comparison to some action movies from today i will say this it i get it right in terms of of what what we see today uh it is kind of low-key i i will also admit this movie is near and dear to my heart i saw it in the theater i think opening weekend i think i saw it in hollywood uh in, in opening weekend uh i used to quote from it randomly i even went to when i was in chicago once i i walked randomly past the drake hotel and took a picture of it i think i posted it on twitter and like three people will understand this joke uh <laughs> from a movie that happened like 25 years ago um but 
it, I think it holds up in a lot of ways in terms of just the action, sort of the storyline. One thing I did like, I don't know if you noticed this, it's under two hours. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I, that was the first thing I looked yesterday and I was like, not by much, but by we much. got under two hours. It's like, by, you know, it's like an hour 55 or something <laughs> like that, but it is under two hours. And I immediately thought of you when I saw that. Um, yeah, a couple, a couple interesting things about it. And I don't think I realized this until kind of going through this stuff. Um, not only is this the only film in the franchise where Ethan Hunt doesn't fire a gun, it is the only one not to have shootouts or gunfights, which is sort of amazing in, in an action movie really of any era, yeah. but especially in the night, like no, the, the protagonist who is a spy doesn't shoot a gun. That's kind of amazing. I was going to say, it might be the last action movie to not have a gun <laughs> or a shootout. Like, I feel like that's like a staple of every single action movie. It sense. really is. And so like credit to the writers for like creating a story uh, where they were able to avoid that. And they really did their best to sort of keep the body count uh down on on this movie in general very, very different feel from desperado where everyone dies <laughs> and every scene is a shootout every basically. scene is a shootout everyone dies in in desperado you, you know what was one thing that stood out to me and and i don't believe you have it in the fun facts mm -hmm. um i go i only know this because i googled it Emilio Estevez is in this yes. movie, but is not. I was like, "That's he's, Mighty Ducks." He's not, and it's funny. It's funny you say that because I remember seeing it in a theater with friends, and we're like, "Hey, is that Emilio Estevez? Like, he wasn't that Emilio? Oh, oh!" And then he dies a gruesome death, yeah, like twenty minutes in. <laughs> uh, yeah, actually, one of the things I did look up, I didn't put it in the notes, but that um, they put him in, they put him in the movie uncredited to try and sort of rejuvenate his movie career. He had been a big star. Uh, his movie career was starting to fade a little bit, and they were hoping that this would sort of juice his career again. And it really it didn't actually work, uh, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, he was in it, uncredited, and then just about the time you're like, "Hey, man, Emilio's maybe making a comeback." He he gets jabbed in the eyes uh, in an elevator and dies. Mighty Ducks was '92. I would have, because I loved that movie as a kid. I would have mm. thought it was later '90s. Um, so wow, that was post. Yeah, like, he had already made the Flying V and everything. He at had, that he had point. done the Flying V. He had been really big. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen the movie Young Guns, but they made no. they made a couple of Young Guns movies which were really great. I loved them. They were, you know, he played Billy the Kid. They were outlaws in the old west. Um, those were really big. And then the Mighty Ducks. And after that, he kind of just fell off. Uh, a lot. There's one note I definitely need more information about. Okay. Um. So a helicopter saw this movie and then was like, "We're yes. gonna, we're gonna do this." Yeah. Apparently, uh, inspired by the movie, a helicopter successfully threw through a flew through a tunnel in Brazil in 2006. I, I just want to know was it six? I assume it was successful, right? Like they, you know, people wouldn't talk about it if it just crashed. Who was crazy enough to be like, "Well, it worked in Mission Impossible. Let's do it here." <laughs> Don't know, uh, but that that's that takes guts to actually want to go and do something like that. Um, a thing that I, I didn't really get, it says, while filming the famous scene where Tom Cruise drops from the ceiling and hovers inches above the ground, Cruise's head kept hitting the floor until he got the idea to put coins in his shoes for balance. I, I would assume like it's more than like a coin, right? It had to be like several coins to sort of balance him out a little bit. Yeah, that's like how many coins is tipping the skit? Like, is, is he walking around with like bags of quarters like, in you, his? Like he's on set just clinking around because yeah. he's got like you know it, it can't be a few coins stacks of quarters in his shoes or something. Yeah, that that is why not get like 
heavier shoes get he- yeah, or I don't know. put weights on your ankles or something like something. that. Something. I can't imagine like how that how that exactly worked a- a- at all. <laughs> uh, the producers cast Ving Rhames as Luther because they felt he was the opposite of what a hacker normally looks like. And you're right. I don't think anybody expected Marcellus Wallace from Pulp Fiction to uh, in turn be a hacker. That's um, another one of my favorite parts about doing this series is seeing the actors from other movies because mm-hmm. like I... I didn't know any of his, his the, roles. The other part of that is Ving Rhames and Tom Cruise are the only two who have been in every single movie in the franchise. When do you think their streak ends? Well, I think... Uh, so this was number seven uh, that just came out, Dead Reckoning Part 1. I think it's a part two, and I believe that might be the end of Tom Cruise. Okay. At least that's what I've heard. My personal belief on this is that Ethan Hunt should be sort of like James Bond, where when Tom Cruise is done, we just pick a new actor yeah and we just keep making ethan hunt movies will tom cruise's ego allow that that's a good question that's a fair question i don't know the uh also to promote something like the other day we we did a video where we were interviewing people who saw barbie or oppenheimer right um you could see it on all of our fantasy socials but me and you were pointing out that no one leaving the theater at that point was saying they were seeing Mission Impossible. So the no. the, the studio did this latest movie uh, a little dirty with their release date. Probably, yeah. I mean, they put it right ahead of Barbenheimer, like a week or two. Um, and I don't think I think I think the first week it was okay. Uh, it's sort of fallen off. And you're right. Like, not a single person was like, "Oh no, I'm here to see Mission Impossible." Like, no, that or Indiana Jones. Nobody seemed to be watching. Have that you movie seen either. the numbers that those movies put up? By the yes. way, insane. We were way off. We were, <laughs> we were right that Barbie would double up Oppenheimer, but, but we, we were off on in the terms numbers. of the, the total. Yeah, yeah, we we sort of missed out on that. Um, <laughs> the other thing that I thought was interesting, and I remember this at the time, that for people who were fans of the original '60s TV show. This movie did not go over well. Um, Jim Phelps, who in the movie was played by John Voight, in the TV show was played by Peter Graves. And I think people wanted Peter Graves to come back and and take up that role again. Uh, Graves didn't do it because, in the end, Jim Phelps turns out to be the bad guy uh, and ends up dying. And for fans of the original TV show, uh, that did not sit very well. Because, you know, in the television show... Jim Phelps was essentially what Ethan Hunt is now. He was kind of the leader of the team and, and the guy that was kind of in the center of everything. So for, you know, just, you know, you don't ever want to see your heroes become the villain. So yeah. for folks who, for folks who love the TV show, uh, they were not pleased with, with how this movie went. I was today years old when I knew there was a Mission Impossible TV show in the 60s. I never knew that. But I understand their feelings because it's like I am someone who if I'm a fan, like, I get I become very big fans of stuff that I really like. Like, you know, I like love Breaking Bad. Mm-hmm. I would be I was when they said they were doing a sequel to it. I was like, why? Like, it, it's a perfect <laughs> TV show. Leave it as is. And then I loved the sequel and I loved the movie they made afterwards and stuff. But I understand being protective and not wanting to ruin something that that you that you enjoy so much. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I get it. Uh, in fact, I know that they, the the producers of this movie, reached out to the original cast of the TV show, wanted to bring them in, have them do cameos as sort of a passing of the torch. And I think everybody but one person turned it down. Okay. Wow. They, they didn't want to be so involved. So no, like, Johnny Depp in 21 Jump Street. Right. No, nothing like, nothing like that. They did not want to be involved uh, at all in this one. So, um, all right. So I know you said you kind of want to rewatch it or whatever because you were sort of distracted. I get it. We all have stuff to do. But uh, from what you saw and what you remember, uh, would you willingly watch this again? 
Oh yeah, I'm definitely going to watch it again because I I need to give it a, another view. Right now, I have it. I go back. I'm like that in the rock. I feel like they they right in the middle. Like I, I don't know if it cracks my top five, but it comes right after that. But okay. I feel like you would have it a lot higher on your list. Of these I probably movies. would, but again, I I know that I'm sort of emotional when it comes to that movie. Uh, there are like so many like there's so like I think going back and watching it again, I forget how quotable. Uh, the character of Kittredge is, you know, yeah. like the, um, you know, I want him manning a radio tower in Alaska by the end of the day, just mail him his clothes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> stuff like that. That's a great line. You know, it's a great line. Kittredge was really, really quotable in that movie. Um, I thought there was like a lot of good chemistry. I think, you know, Ving Rames as Luther was great. Uh, yeah, it's just, it was really, really fun. And RIP Emilio Estevez, uh, we barely got to know your character before you died an awful, awful death. Um, all right, so I feel like next week should be the last one. It'll be number 15. It gets us pretty much into training camp and almost right up to the start uh, of the preseason. So I've decided, as we've been talking here, to finish this out with what's considered by some maybe one of the best action movies of the 90s, uh, Heat from 1995. I've never seen it, but I've heard good things. Uh, it's and it was big because it was Robert De Niro and Al Pacino sort of going head to head. One is a bank robber. The other is the cop trying to take him down. Also has Val Kilmer, does have John Voight, uh, Tom Sizemore, Ashley Judd, uh, a number of big name actors from the 90s in that movie. Uh, it is when you talk about heist movies, um, you know, one of the one of the best ones that I think you're ever going to see out there. This might um make me seem out of the loop, which people already know that I am. Um, for so long, I knew John Voight as the guy who ate George Costanza's pencil. <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, I guess I I. I think of him immediately, if not as Angelina Jolie's dad, then uh, as Bud Kilmer from Varsity Blues. Okay. So, yeah. Um, that's kind of how I think of John Ford. <laughs> but uh, that's a pretty good one. I think that's a that's a pretty good one as well. So, all right. So that'll, uh, you know, that will get us to the end of what has been a pretty fun film festival. Uh, I've enjoyed it so far. I hope that you have enjoyed it. Oh, uh, yeah. Well. I've. 16 new movies I've seen if, after next week if you That's right. count Snakes on a Plane. Snakes on a Plane. That's right. Snakes on a Plane would be, uh, you know, so like 15 plus, uh, <laughs> I guess is what we will call it. In the meantime, uh, we should also wrap this one up as well. That'll do it for this edition of the NFL Fantasy Football Podcast. Stay happy, safe, and healthy. Do good and live well. Enjoy the movies. Enjoy the opening of training camp, everybody. And we will talk to you next week. <laughs> You go into your shower feeling tired, but as soon as you reach for the Irish spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish spring body wash and bar soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. 
Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bob Kids, Megan Trainer, Bissell Puma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert Week to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. I'm so excited to tell you JCPenney and country music singer-songwriter Walker Hayes are partnering together on a new limited-time men's collection for the everyday guy. What I love about Walker Hayes is his laid-back nature. He's a family man and being a country megastar while also having seven kids. You know he likes to keep his style cool and casual. This new collection is perfect for the guy living the t-shirt life or someone wanting some fresh options that feel just as good. It's easy to wear, affordable styles that celebrate the ultimate family man, along with the quality, durability, and sensibility dads appreciate. Available online Saturday, May 4th at jcp.com and in-store Thursday, May 16th. Just in time for Father's Day. Limited time only. JCPenney, make it count.